Pardon me, young lady. What a fox. Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. My name is Captain Eric, and we are starting our sale on the third season of SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, the third season, we we are here, folks, finally here. Um, this, this is just a absolutely incredible landmark season for SpongeBob SquarePants. This, this is an important one in the history of this show. Uh, the second, obviously, the first season helped lay the groundwork for the show. The second season is where the popularity started skyrocketing, and the third season, by the time it was already skyrocketing, just sent it out with a with a warp speed push into making SpongeBob one of the most well-known cartoon characters in the history of, of the world. He's right up there with Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny. Um, and, and I would say in this day and age, um, there's, for as marketable and well-known as Mickey Mouse is, uh, SpongeBob has got to rival that worldwide. I, I just have to imagine. It's it's just, it's beloved by so many on such a level. Um, think of just even in on the internet how important SpongeBob is. Um, and, and I think, hey, look, the fact on the amount of memes to have come from SpongeBob SquarePants and, and to this day, people are still coming up with new ones, that might to some, you know, people of a older age might not seem like an important deal. But hey, for those of us who use the internet on a daily basis, think about it. How many, how many times a day do you come across SpongeBob or SpongeBob memes more than any of those other characters other than when, you know, things are being promoted like Space Jam? I don't know, but you can trace all of this back to the third season of SpongeBob SquarePants, which first premiered on October 5th, 2001, um, with not the first episode of the season. So I, I don't know if I've ever really mentioned this uh, before on, on any part of the show, but I actually review these episodes in their production order, not for their air date order, which is is completely different, especially with the third season here. Uh, they, there's definitely a, a lot of mishmash of when they aired certain episodes, and, and sometimes you can see reasons why, and others, hey, who knows what happened behind the scenes. But this is Steven Hillenberg's uh, swan song season. This this would be his final season for a while. Uh, he would go on to direct the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, actually halting production uh, on this season to, to work on that movie. I don't know if they were really doing it concurrently uh, like you could with some shows, but that's kind of the reason why it's so hard for, for some TV shows to get a feature film because they literally have to stop making the show in some cases. And in others, you can kind of maybe splinter off a part of your group to work on one project and, and another part and another. But um, of course, being the showrunner, you can't really you know run the show and then also run a movie. You do have to kind of take back and, and, and work on one project on its own. And I'm glad he did because the SpongeBob SquarePants movie is one of the finest animated films I, I in my opinion I mean obviously maybe I'm a little biased but come on is there anybody out there who who doesn't on some level adore the first SpongeBob movie we'll get to that at the end of the season beyond the wonderful reception that this season has from both critics and fans alike this is also where like I had mentioned before more households were watching SpongeBob SquarePants on a weekly basis 50 million viewers a month 
watching SpongeBob SquarePants. You wonder why Nickelodeon is comprised of 90% SpongeBob. You can trace that back to this season yet again because that amount of people watching a cartoon like this is just SpongeBob was was exploding on all fronts in merchandise, uh, on television, in visibility. Everywhere you looked, there was something SpongeBob. And, and maybe he's not as that prominent today, but he is still uh, as visible as a cartoon character can. Um, beyond beyond the, the reception and the viewership, this season also saw uh, nominations for Primetime Emmy Awards, including Outstanding Children's Program. Uh, the episodes New Student Starfish and Clams were nominated for Outstanding Animated Program uh, for programming less than one hour. Uh, while SpongeBob BC, also known as UGG, won the same category, uh, Outstanding Animated Program for the programming less than one hour. Uh, bravo, by the way, uh, for, for all of those nominated. And, and beyond even just on the quality of writing with this season, the quality of humor just even takes such an uptick. The level of jokes they were going for, right off of the bat in this episode, one of my absolute favorite SpongeBob jokes played. I don't know if I just always forget that it's this episode uh, because it's a joke that you get immediately as it opens. Uh, but it was a, a pleasant surprise. And let me just say the jokes continue on uh, a, as we went forward. But today's episode is the Algae's Always Greener. It is the first part of the 41st episode of SpongeBob SquarePants, and it first premiered on March 22nd, 2002. It was written by Aaron Springer, who was also our storyboard director, C.H. Greenblatt, well-known creator for Chowder and uh, Jellystone, Meriwether Williams, and our creative director, as always, Derek Dryman. The uh, title, The Al the Algae's Always Greener, is a nice little play on words of the uh, the grass not, what do they say, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. The, the whole metaphor being it's, you know, if you're in your own plot of land and there's a fence in front of you and uh, and you look over at the other side of that fence and the grass just seems a lot better than the, the area you're in. Um, so you're, you're staring over the fence and you're thinking about it and it's kind of the metaphor being that what we do in our lives is we look at other people or we look at other situations and we, it's about envy. Yeah. You envy that life or you envy that person, you envy some, some thing or, or whatnot. Um, you hop over the fence then you're on the other side and, and then maybe you realize when you're on the other side that it's, it's not as good as it was on the other side of the fence, which the, the, I, the underlying part of the metaphor is that like grass is grass, you know, I guess that's, I, that's how I always took it. Um, but the whole, this is, this is Plankton's finest hour. This is the greatest Plankton episode that I can think of. Um, it, it's certainly up there. If you disagree, you at least have to put this in your top three in terms of Plankton-centric episodes where he is the, the star of the show. There's also a notable part uh, of this episode being the fact that um, if, if you if you technically think about it, this is the only episode of SpongeBob SquarePants in which the main universe, SpongeBob SquarePants, does not appear up to this point, every other main character, there's been at least one episode that they just don't appear in. Patrick, Squidward, Sandy, Plankton, you name it, Mr. Krabs. There's been episodes where that character just hasn't flat out appeared. SpongeBob, though, is in every episode. 
This episode, SpongeBob is here, but the SpongeBob we are interacting with is a fictional version of SpongeBob. It's a it's SpongeBob in a machine. Um, so we never see the real world, you know, the, the version of SpongeBob from the, the main part. Uh, so he's technically not here. Technically. Oh, but so we, we start this episode out with, as I mentioned, one of my, probably my favorite SpongeBob joke, honestly. We get uh, Old Man Walker also known as Incidental 83, Incidental PM7 and Old Fish A. But we got Old Man Walker uh, walking into a, a post, a pole in the middle of the Krusty Krab, getting out of the way, excusing himself, talking to it as if it's a person, and, and, and excuse me, miss, and continues to walk away. And as he looks back, lifts up his glasses, blinks a little bit, he has terrible eyesight, and he just utters the phrase, what a fox. What it is absolutely hilarious every time I see it. It's just a funny little gag, and I'm glad that you know they got a little bit more gag centric in these episodes. Putting those kind of jokes on top of the charm of the SpongeBob SquarePants world is what makes it work. It's it's fun. It's silly. Uh, I love little bits of humor like that, and this episode is sprinkled throughout. Uh, now, beyond. The the knowing of old man Walker Plankton has uh, hidden inside of the ketchup bottle that is on his plate, which also has a Krabby Patty on it. Uh, Plankton's plan being that he'll be shot out of the ketchup bottle as the customer tries to squeeze ketchup onto their Krabby Patty. He will then have access to the Krabby Patty. Um, I don't know what his plan is after that. But unfortunately for him, uh, Mr. Mr. Walker here, not the best shot of ketchup out his Krabby Patty and ends up shooting Plankton right into Mr. Krabs' office in which we just get this other little joke. I don't know what was going on, but Mr. Krabs was just washing his face with money and utters the phrase, sweet wampum. What? I don't know if that's an ad lib or if if they had that written down, but either way, just another little gag part for Mr. Krabs that I absolutely love. Um, of course, Mr. Krabs catches Plankton. He's not getting the Krabby Patties whatsoever today. Gets thrown out of the Krusty Krab. We get another joke here where Mr. Krabs yells, so long, shrimp, uh, at Plankton, obviously referring to his size. But at the same time, there was a there was a, a, a shrimp actually walking out of the Krusty Krab who just looks back. I don't know if... He takes that as an insult or not. I mean, I imagine he probably would be like, what? A nice little double take? Because who's going to, you know, yell at you like that when you're walking out of the, the restaurant? But uh, it great little joke there. Plankton gets thrown back into the chum bucket. And this is where Plankton and Karen's relationship kind of blossomed from into a marriage being acknowledged here. Uh, and, and it's kind of funny how they just have this bit of routine going on and it's such a mundane looking routine. It's almost like a sitcom type routine, uh, with, with Plankton, you know, putting his hat up, uh, you know, and sitting down at the table, getting served dinner. Uh, Plankton gets served holographic meatloaf. And if you were confused about that as a kid or just, you know, wasn't really sure the context here of, you know, holographic meatloaf. There's actually a bit of science behind this, and it goes into a bit of marine biology. Um, plankton, phytoplankton, which is what plankton is, uh, make their energy through photosynthesis. 
the process of using chlorophyll and sunlight to create energy. Uh, like other plants, phytoplankton take in carbon dioxide and release oxygen. Phytoplankton account for about half of the photosynthesis on the planet, making them one of the world's most important producers of oxygen. Phytoplankton rely on nutrients found in their surroundings, such as phosphate, nitrate, and calcium to thrive. Uh, that is from the National Geographic website, nationalgeographic.org. There's some information right there on plankton. So the, the fact that he's eating light is is accurate to what phytoplankton do. So it it's really funny that it's a, it's a gag, but it also works at the same time. Um, he's not too amused with the fact that he has to eat holographic meatloaf again. I think that's funny because the fact that it's a hologram and, and literally any other food could be made at that moment. So the fact that it's just one hologram of meatloaf is, is actually fairly funny. Um, at the same time though, has anyone ever questioned on the fact that, uh, how does plankton have a such a tiny can of soda who is producing i mean there is a lot of plankton in the world so there's probably uh, a bit of the grocery store that has a, a tiny tiny fish aisle where they're able to get groceries of their size i have to imagine i mean he has a tiny fridge too which is cute and a tiny table it's it's all adorable but i just thought it was funny that he had this little can of soda and just putting into into consideration on how small he is the, the, that of the fact that they were able to make such a smaller can and it just looked accurate in his hand. Uh, anyway, Plankton is beside himself. He's upset at just constantly losing out on getting the Krabby Patty secret formula. Uh, he feels like calling it quits, really wants to know how Mr. Krabs lives his life. Which uh, leads into the extremely helpful in that moment transmogrifier. Also, known as the Switch Lives Just to Know What It's Like Omogrifier. Uh, what a convenient machine, and I like how he built it last Tuesday, or last Thursday, but then just decided not to use it. Who builds a machine capable of inserting yourself, I'm guessing, in a realistic simulation to know how someone's life is, is being... The, you built that and you didn't try it out immediately? Classic Plankton. Luckily, his wife Karen is there to remind him of said invention, which he immediately goes to use to figure out, you know, how would his life be like if he was in Mr. Krabs's position and sends him through into an alternate universe uh, using one of my favorite musical tracks, The Creature, composed by Gregor F. Narholtz. Uh, the track is a patiche of Igor Stravinsky's The Rite of Spring and the finale to Gustav Mahir's First Symphony. Uh, it's one of my favorite pieces of of like background production music that I, like it reminds me of Brendan Stimpy, SpongeBob. Like I hear that and I instantly have thoughts of a bunch of Nicktoons that have used that track. Uh, so uh, it's always a pleasure to hear. But it this sense uh, this invention of Plankton sends him into an alternate universe in which he is legitimately in Mr. Krabs's position immediately. He wakes up in the office of the Krusty Krab with a nameplate that says Mr. Plankton, a picture that has him in, in Pearl, which means he had adopted Pearl in this world, and he is running the Krusty Krab just like Mr. Krabs is. This world that we know so far is one-to-one -one just like the normal SpongeBob universe except for it's just plankton inserted instead of Mr. Krabs. He's even wearing Mr. Krabs's uh, outfit, which plankton is over the moon about. And it's just kind of funny to think, man, 
you have tiny cans of soda, you have a tiny fridge, you have a tiny table, and you're not you the, the clothes is a problem. You you went to the appliance and furniture section of the store and and you just decided to not go to the clothing part. I mean, you can get the, you can rock that look too, Plankton. I mean, you should probably try to one up Mr. Krabs in the fashion department. You're just running around naked. Uh, but anyway. Plankton is immediately thrust into this successful position. He is now running the Krusty Krab, um, and he is immediately able to see that there have been uh, uh, changes around his life. There has been notoriety. There, he, like He's on the cover of magazines that are on the wall. Uh, this is uh, a new experience for him and a positive one. The second he gets out of the office, though, and uh, sees a Krabby Patty, he still goes into Plankton mode. He wants that Krabby Patty... I mean, it, it's like at this point, Plankton, you you own the Krabby Patty. What are you What are you worried about? Just just own it. Uh, but he immediately attaches him, himself to Krabby Patties that are going to be handed off to a customer from SpongeBob. Um, now it's funny that at this moment he uh, comes up with on the spot the idea of a bun inspection. He needs these specific Krabby Patties for a bun inspection, and that he would rather physically harm the customer instead of giving up these Krabby Patties. SpongeBob, though, I guess had a, a thought, and I just think this is the machine working for Plankton's uh, part, just to make sure he you know, he can enjoy himself the best he can. Uh, but SpongeBob that morning just had the weird idea to make extra Krabby Patties in case there was going to be new bun inspection rules just implemented. He was prepared for something just to be implemented. Uh, definitely the machine at work, but Plankton gets his Krabby Patties, goes back to his office, and gets to enjoy himself. I mean, he gets to now just... He gets to just relax with a Krabby Patty and, and not really get bothered by anybody, except for SpongeBob, who wants to have his weekly performance review with Plankton. Now, my only thought with this is that since, you know, either we're dealing with another universe or, in my opinion, just the machine kind of at play, this is all just something kind of playing out in Plankton's head. Um, but I, I think it's a give and take type situation. That's why we see so much happen in this episode. It's okay, we're going to give you the Krabby Patties, but now you got to deal with SpongeBob and you got to be a boss. You, We can give you this life, but you, you got to run it. You got to see how you would actually do. Um, so SpongeBob wants his weekly performance review. And even though Plankton says you're doing fine and tries to shoo him away, SpongeBob is adamant that there has to be something that he can change. There has to be something he's doing wrong. He won't leave uh, Plankton alone until until he gets an answer, and Plankton just tells him that he's using too much sauce on the Krabby Patties. I mean, I, I don't know if he if he actually has that opinion, but or just really came up with something on the spot. But this information does not sit well with SpongeBob, and it just seems like um, I'm not saying this about the the normal universe SpongeBob, but at least this version of SpongeBob can't take criticism at all. And if that's how SpongeBob would act in that moment. I, I don't know how he deals with I mean, Mr. Krabs must just not give him any advice or just not even, I don't know. Who knows how the their weekly performance reviews go? We never really get to see that. Uh, Plankton does mention around here that he gets foreign exercise videos that his cousin sent him, which we do know Plankton has a lot of cousins. So we, we have no idea as to which cousin sent him 
foreign uh, exercise videos, but uh, a bit of the inner pro pro there. Uh, I wonder what was on those uh, foreign exercise videos. Um, now, SpongeBob not being able to handle criticism is immediately squashed when the idea of a promotion is brought up. This is we can already see SpongeBob's excitement at the idea of a promotion here, something that would definitely come later into play uh, in the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. But the promotion he gets is not, of course, to a manager. It is the co-cashier. He gets to run the cash register equally alongside Squidward. We get this funny little moment where SpongeBob doesn't come up to Squidward and talk to him about the promotion first. He just gets behind the cash register and just stands there, um, seemingly waiting for Squidward to call him out on it. But he already has a badge ready to go in case Squidward calls him out on it, a co-cashier badge. This, of course, upsets Squidward, rightfully so voices his frustrations at Mr. Plankton, who rectifies the situation in the worst way possible, uh, putting Squidward at the cooking station and leaving SpongeBob at the cash register. Um, now, the fun thing that Plankton could have done here was to then give SpongeBob another promotion to put him back at, at the head fry cook position. Um, that's how you work with SpongeBob. You just got to make everything sound positive and, and you can literally get him to do anything. And then you just could have had Squidward get a promotion to cashier and then SpongeBob would congratulate Squidward on the promotion and everything goes back to the way it should be. But Plankton is too busy for this. He needs to get back to his Krabby Patties. Therefore, he puts his, uh, his whole restaurant at risk. Um, we do get a bit of a guest star here in Thomas F. Wilson, um, one of the most long-running guest stars that we have here on SpongeBob SquarePants. And and I, that's why I kind of said kind of guest star, because at this point, he, he's family. He's he's a pretty much a regular. Uh, it was nice to, to hear his voice uh, come through here. And, and also, we do get a bit of an interaction. I, I forgot, right before the, the Thomas F. Wilson stuff, we do get interaction with Pearl... Uh, and Plankton, we get to see a bit of that dynamic and on how Plankton would be as a as a father. Uh, he not very good, let's just say. Uh, he, he did, I guess, he did an okay job, but uh, but Pearl just not having it. Um, after the customer complaint of the of the patty that Squidward made, which was uh, atrocious, by the way, like we've already seen how bad Squidward is at Fry Cook many times. Um, he should just not be behind there making any food whatsoever. At this point, a siren echoes out through the Krusty Krab with uh, everybody in the restaurant heading over to battle stations and explaining that this diabolical creature is out on the run for the Krabby Patty formula and he's in the building. And we see these like little big red swatches of color come through like a fast creature moving past the screen. And you know you know where this is going, obviously, with, uh, with the, the switcheroo here. But we, we get to see that Plankton's arch nemesis, uh, Mr. Plankton's arch nemesis, Krabs, is in the building to steal a Krabby Patty, and he is not only here, but he is completely naked. Uh, I, I like that in the in the shot that we get of Krabs from Plankton's point of view, there's a bit of a shine on his shell there. Now, um, it's just one of those funny, you, you can have a joke like this for children because it, yeah, it's inappropriate, but it's also not because it's just a crab with not wearing clothes. I mean, you can go to the beach and see a crab without clothes. Oh, my God, that crab is naked. What are you going to get upset about that? No. So why get upset about a cartoon one? Um, so it's it's funny just the fact that like 
I guess whoever wants to hunt the Krabby Patty secret formula has to be naked. It's just a rule, at least in this machine. Um, so Krabs, he doesn't have a mister. He's just he's just Krabs. Uh, successfully grabs a Krabby Patty and is on the run. What's crazy about this whole sequence and the opening to it is that it seems like the entire town is way more intensely worried about crabs and has a, a hatred of them than they do for plankton. Now, I don't think the town likes plankton, but it just seems like the intensity here for crabs was 10 times higher than it would be for plankton. And honestly, it's obvious because with plankton's size, he's, he's easy to handle. Whereas with, with crabs here, He's a massive guy running around naked around town. No wonder it would be like a, a big, massive alarm for him coming in. Everybody batting the hatches. That's a way bigger threat than Plankton ever is. So I wonder, continuing this world, I just, I, I wonder how certain other points would play out between the whole Plankton and Mr. Krabs thing. I would love to see the SpongeBob SquarePants movie redone in this universe and how this one turns out. Somebody please make that. After the SpongeBob SquarePants movie rehydrated project, let's let's do that one where we flip the script and you just reanimate all the scenes with uh, Mr. Krabs and Plankton and uh, we get the alternate universe version of that. Anyway, so Krabs is here and the I guess his weakness is wearing clothing because the... The, the way to stop this guy is simple. Get a cannon that shoots out clothes and you try to get clothes on him. Um, I love the intensity of SpongeBob yelling out here with the, uh, with the cannon. The, the classic line, no shirt, no shoes, no service. But he yells it with such intensity. I imagine, uh, I imagine those working with the public uh, would love having a cannon like that with with masks out and adding that to the uh, to the intensity. Because hey, look, everybody can agree to the whole shoes and and shirt and pants, but all of a sudden, cloth on your face? No, that's where we draw the line. Um, Mr. Krabs though gets caught with some underwire, and he seems relieved on the fact that it, you know, like, oh, I got caught. Well, at least it's underwire. Like he's totally good with giving up the Krabby Patty back now that they shot uh, abroad him, which ultimately is what gets on him. It's also funny that it's a super pointy bra, and not to talk about bras too much here, but yeah, can we just mention like what what is up with that? Um. <laughs> I also think he was pretty happy. He didn't immediately take off the bra. He was pretty fine with keeping it on. He gives up the Krabby Patty, but then reminds Plankton that for every day of his life, he is going to try uh, coming back to the Krusty Krab to steal the Krabby Patty secret formula. It's funny that even though Plankton is in charge, it's still called the Krusty Krab. Um I I mean that's you would think that there would just be another name, but no, this this it just implements you directly into your I, I chosen subject's position. Oh, exactly. Uh, even in the same clothing. Um, hearing this distresses Plankton, and this is his breaking point. Krabs over here says that he will be coming back the next day, and the next day, and the next day. He says that line seventeen times 
which is that that's the breaking point. That's the magic number for Plankton, 17. He rips off his clothing, which shows a button on his chest, a uh, the, pretty much the, the return button for this machine, which uh, he reminds everybody that he will see them all in therapy. Um, I, I wonder if just that kind of experience would make someone go into therapy. Just I, I imagine having such an intense look into another world would kind of make you like if you had to come back, you would want to definitely talk to somebody about that. But I guess it would have to be a therapist because who else would really believe that you made unless you showed him the machine and i guess plankton could do that but it also is really tiny so he might have to find a tiny therapist to be like hey look i'll prove that this thing is real you know bring uh bring whoever over to to show him but um he sends himself right back home in which he finds himself some holographic meatloaf and you know what his tune was was changed pretty quickly because he seemed very happy to be back in his in his home life and and with the holographic meatloaf that he detested earlier in the episode. It's it's a nice it's a nice little learning lesson for Plankton, you know, and that's why I say it's it's the best Plankton episode for me. It, it's it's not Plankton doing something evil and then getting his comeuppance. It's it's Plankton getting his comeuppings early on in the episode and and. We, we get to follow this journey with him on him asking the question, what if? I wonder if the Watcher was watching him in that moment. And we actually get the the start of the victory screech in this episode, which is a, a known known meme on the internet and as well as uh, used in uh, other SpongeBob video games. The victory screech is something that the entire town does at stopping crabs. Like, th that's what makes me even believe he, he really is a bigger issue than plankton is because of the fact that it's not like everybody has the victory screech for plankton losing um but but for crabs there's just this known victory screech this episode is by far one of my favorite episodes already um and and we just starting out the third season this is one that will make the top 10 it's so funny it's rapid fire with its jokes. You can see, like, when I see C.H. Greenblatt's name come up, I you kind of can tell this is going to be just, there's going to be great gags in this episode because it's the same kind of great gags we saw in later shows of his. So I, I love I love these moments of SpongeBob SquarePants. Season three is going to be a fun time. We're all going to have a fun time here. We got 20 episodes ahead of us, and then we get the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. I'm going to try to do something big for that, but uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that when we get there. Uh, that is this week for the SquareCast. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for making me a part of your day. I appreciate you immensely. If you consider yourself a part of the Ready Crew, welcome aboard. Uh, just to let you know, of the last few weeks, I have retooled a little bit this week in Nickelodeon history, making it less that like upper presentation level of a podcast, being a little bit more down to earth, um, and and doing less editing, just being myself. Um, those episodes. Uh, now, I did have a few of you reach out to to tell me that it's it's actually better for the show, but actually the episodes on the back end have been doing a bit better. So that to me is is enough to say that it's a welcome change and we'll see how things play out uh, as as we continue moving forward. I'm going to continue that show until episode 52. We'll make it a complete year. Um and then I might pull back just to retool things a little bit to see how things go. But all of your feedback is much appreciated. You can find us 
on all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, all of those links will now be in the podcast description below. Uh, also, Spotify has added polls, uh, poll abilities to the back end on Anchor that I can add in for episodes. So uh, our polls, it, I do have a lot of listeners out there on the Spotify platform. I don't know how the polls work. Um, I, cause I just haven't come across any shows that have had any polls. So, uh, just let me know if that's something, if you're a Spotify user and you listen to the show would like weekly polls on the episodes for Squarecast or this week in Nickelodeon history be of interest to you. Uh, like by all means, all feedback, I take absolutely everything, uh, in consideration. So, um, this is Captain Eric signing off. Thank you for joining me. Stay safe. We'll see you next week. Goodbye everyone. I remember you all in therapy.